The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hey, AI Today listeners. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. From books and materials ranging from fundamentals of AI to deep dives on implementing AI projects to AI ethics, tools, software, checklists, and more, our resources page will help you on your AI journey whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. That's aitoday.live slash L-I-S-T. Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmilzer. And thanks again for uh, all of you who are listening to our AI Today podcast. We've been going strong now five years. We're going to be actually hitting our fifth anniversary pretty soon. And we'll have to sort of think about what we do. But <laughs> for those of you who have been listening us to all these years, you know that we've really been on the vanguard of not just covering what's happening with AI today, but also doing AI right. And for those of you that have been listening, you know that doing AI right really means doing data right and running data projects right. So uh, in today's podcast, we're going to continue with, with our sort of insights and advice and guidance into how to run AI projects successfully. And we're actually talking about this uh, in the midst of redoing a lot of our failure series podcasts. This is actually not part of the failure series, interestingly enough. This is part of the being successful part of how to do AI right part. But we are going to continue with additional topics from the failure series uh, as, as well. This actually kind of connects into it, right? It's not like totally disconnected from the failure series, but it's not. we're not talking about one of the reasons why AI projects fail specifically, right? Exactly. As Ron mentioned, in case you haven't heard any of those, uh, earlier this year, late last year in 2021, we published a number of podcasts on uh, common reasons why we see AI projects fail. And the reason we did that is that a lot of people don't talk about project failures nearly as much as they should. And you can learn just as much, if not more, from project failures than you can from project successes. So we really wanted to tackle some of the common you know, issues and themes that we're seeing when projects fail and how you can avoid that to be successful. So if you have not already, I encourage you to subscribe to AI Today, where you can get notified of all of our future episodes, where we will be addressing in a a different fashion. You know, we want to make sure that it's not a total repeat of those podcasts, but we will be revisiting some of the reasons why we see AI projects fail and also how to continue to do AI right. Because even though we've been around for almost five years with our podcast, we still are seeing a number of projects fail or people not being as successful as they could be. And it doesn't need to be that way. So on today's podcast, we really wanted to spend some time addressing the topic of why we can't use agile alone for AI. Yeah. Or just why can't we just say, okay, we're going to use the agile methodology by its, you know, as Kathleen mentioned on its own, but also just like to say, let's just apply it. There's nothing more, there's nothing new that needs to be done. Let's just take agile, which is a very popular methodology and use it for AI projects and we'll be successful. But 
the big counterpoint to that is that there are the rate of, of AI project failures we talk about in AI project series, something like 70, 80 plus percent of, of projects that have been identified are de determined to be not successful by a bunch of folks who have measured them. And uh, you might say, well, wait a second, we've had agile methodology for two decades now, and we have project managers who know agile methodology running these AI projects. Therefore, they should be more successful, right? Because if agile works and these are real project managers, where are they failing? Well, of course, the answer is that uh, we need something else because that methodology by itself doesn't work. But before we get into this, because we might be throwing around some terms that uh, some of you listeners may not be that familiar with, or maybe you've heard these terms, uh, agile and methodology, project management. Uh, some of you may even be project management professionals who are listening to this podcast. And, and that's great because actually you guys are our core audience. We really love speaking to folks who are running, managing projects. That's what you do as a project manager, you know, whether or not that's your actual title, <laughs> that's your role. And so we want, we're, we want to speak from that perspective, which is not about like the technology of the AI system. So we're not going to talk about the specifics of machine learning and this and that. It's not even about like specific skills like data science or, or you know, being able to, to do math, statistics very well. But yes, you do need these things. You need the skills, the hard skills, right? But what we're finding is the things that really make AI projects successful is knowing how to run them to avoid many of the problems that usually are stumbling blocks. So there's two, before we sort of get into uh, sort of the best approach, there's really, you can think of it like two main ways or primary ways, if you want to think about it, of running any sort of complicated process or project. Doesn't matter whether it's building software, you know, building a uh, you know shopping mall complex, you know, building the Apollo, you know, the Saturn V rocket. You know, <laughs> these are all major projects which involve a lot of different people and a lot of different moving parts and have a lot of risks. And you might think, well, what? How do you go about? How do you go about building these things? Well, we have a couple of approaches and there's like these two main approaches, which we'll get into right now. There's this idea of waterfall and there's agile. So let's let's start with uh, what waterfall is and how, how that works. Exactly. We wanted to level set just to make sure that uh, everybody's on the same page with what it is before we move along. So quickly, you know, waterfall approaches really follow an engineering approach. And so as Ron mentioned, you know, you're thinking about building shopping mall complexes or, uh, you know different things that you're like physically building, then the waterfall approach is a great approach for that. And so it starts with, you know, understanding what your client's needs are, then designing a solution, building, and then delivering it. So if you think about, you know, this really borrowed from the assembly line methods of production and operation management approaches. So think about that. You know, we, we say, okay, you know, construction project, for example, uh, following a waterfall approach here is okay. It's, you know, it takes many months to years to build, uh, to, design, to design, you know, a shopping mall uh, complex, as Ron mentioned, and you need to make sure that there's uh, everything, you know, it requires a lot of planning, documentation, requires teams to predict some, you know, major obstacles, what's going, what's going to be, uh, you know, a roadblock or an obstacle for you. There's a high risk of building things the wrong way. You know, if you accidentally don't put your plumbing in correctly there, that's a, you know, high risk. And you're also, you know, in a waterfall approach, not really able to quickly respond to changing needs or requirements. So 
if you're building something large and you're, you're thinking about that, that can be okay. You know, if you, do, you don't need to respond quickly because you can have a weak uh, lag time and it's not going to really majorly delay that project. Yeah, exactly. And as mentioned, you know, this idea of waterfall, kind of you can visualize it like a waterfall. You do one stage and then, you know, once you're sort of done, you've overflowed the top, it kind of moves to the next stage. And yeah, there's this idea of you can you can have versions, you can have major versions. It's like, okay, you build one big rocket. You can have another version of that rocket. It's not like you're committed to that design forever. It's just that you don't change the design in the middle of building it. You know, like, ah, oh, man, you were building this rocket. It would be nice to have instead of, you know, four <laughs> engine nozzles, we need five. You'd be like, okay, put that on the list for the next rocket. But this rocket, we're building to the plan because so much is, is sort of tied up. It's like all everything. It's a very complicated thing. It's not just about that one component. It's about everything else, the supply chain and, you know, the skills and the this and the testing and the who. And, the, and that makes a lot of sense for that. And as a matter of fact, in the early days of software development, we used to do the same idea. Somebody would come up with this big binder of like every requirement that that version of the software would needed. And they'd spend like weeks, maybe even months going over every feature and then they'd go ahead and they'd build to that functionality list. And then they go test based on what they built and then they deliver it. And someone might say, well, wait a second, we need another feature. We need another this and that. They'd be like, that's a great idea. Put that on the list for the next version, right? And that's how we built operating systems. You know, the first new you know, DOS and Windows and the first versions of Unix, you know, were built in that process. And you'd have to wait after Windows 95 came out You'd have to wait three more years. And so, you know, <laughs> Windows 98 came out, which had some of the features which were missed. And then you have to wait for XP. And, and people started to realize in the end of the 90s that for rapidly changing technologies where you can add things kind of as you go, uh, and it's not like, you know, oh, my goodness, you put the driveway in the wrong place of the shopping mall. They'd be like, well... We're committed to that now. Too late. We already got the zoning and the planning, the traffic and the traffic lights and the sewage and the this and the that. You you can't move that driveway. It's in a bad place. You're going to be looking at for the rest of the time you're driving in and out of that shopping mall. Wish you put it somewhere else, but it's too late for that. But in software, we can. We can, you know, as I started talking to Kathleen before we started the podcast, I'm like, you know, if you're building a building and you're like, oh, man, this I need to move this window. You, you can't make that decision while you're building the house. But if it was a software window and you need to move the window, well, that's, you know, much easier. So, th so the approach that sort of came out at the end of the sort of 90s, you know, as we started getting into building software and also as the speed of software development kept speeding up and as we started to get things like networks where we can actually update software. So even if before I may have to actually physically ins reinstall the software, which introduced some time delay, which maybe worked to our advantage because you're like, well, even if we change this functionality, we have to give the software to people and it takes months to do that and blah, blah, blah. So we can get away with something slow. But when you have <laughs> the internet, you can't get away with months before the next uh, feature release. So this idea of extreme programming came about, rapid uh, uh, application development and scrum, and these all sort of came together into this philosophy, which is really a philosophy called agile. And Agile, the folks who came up with Agile software development actually came up with this manifesto, this, uh, which we'll talk about actually sh shortly here, which is this idea of moving towards tight, short iterations with focusing on what the immediate needs are of the, the customer, whoever the customer is or user, right? Building to just that 
incremental set of needs, not the whole thing, just that one thing, right? The minimum viable product, the lean, all that sort of stuff, short iteration loops. So the idea is we can still build what people want, but by instead of having these long processes, if we have lots and lots of little quick processes, we can continuously learn and continuously iterate. We can reprioritize maybe things that weren't important before all of a sudden become important and the other way around too. And um, that has become this philosophy of Agile and lots of different ways of doing it, by the way, there's no one way of doing Agile. This philosophy of Agile really took on uh, for software. And I would say it's become sort of the best practice with air quotes for software development, right? Right. And so we wanted to, you know, quickly address waterfall versus Agile approaches because it, you know, Waterfall is not dead. It is still around, especially as we mentioned, when, you know, you're building certain things like, you know, shopping complexes, houses, things like that. So it's it was important to address that and just make sure everybody understands what it is. And then versus Agile, where that really has become what everybody does now for software projects. And I think that if you are listening and you're in, uh, you know, at a software company or on a team, then you're probably in, you know, one way or another using Agile for your projects. Yeah. I mean, so the, the, the Agile manifesto is basically focus on what individuals and teams want, the interactions between people versus like having a tool or a process and being committed to that process, committing to the tool. You're focusing on, it doesn't really matter what the documentation says. It's more important as to what the working product does. So if there's a difference between the, but the documentation says this, it's like, yeah, but the customer says this, you focus on what the customer says, you focus on interacting with the customer more than trying to come up with some negotiation as to, okay, you want these features. I have these skills. Let's negotiate first and then come to an agreement that that's hard to get for a lot of reasons. Right. And of course you focus on responding to change rather than having a plan. So even if the plan said three months ago, we're going to do this, it's like, Hey, plans change, things change. If you stick to the plan, you won't get the product you want. Do you want the product or do you want the plan, right? So, so a lot of this idea sort of made its way into a lot of things you may be very familiar with. If you're a software developer, you may be familiar with something called continuous integration, where you're always sort of pulling in new pieces of functionality together, constant testing, constantly delivering, and the extreme version of Agile, like the pushing Agile to its like extent. Some people like build code and deploy code like every day, every minute, every hour. Like Facebook is known for doing this, the, the new meta, where they you know, break things often, <laughs> change fast, break things often. And you know, there's some good things about it. You know, Obviously you don't have to wait months or years for a feature, but there's a lot of bad things about it too. You can tell when things are breaking and Kathleen and I constantly complain about how functionality just disappears one day or it's, it stops working or stuff has moved around. You're like, you're in a user interface, you're mm-hmm. like, I can't find this anymore because constant change. And remember, Agile manifest. So people have actually, uh, in some uh, cases, really abused Agile. It says no doc product over documentation. So people say no documentation. Right. Like, <laughs> so I guess that means let everybody figure out where the user interface element went or why this feature disappeared because no one's writing it down. So there are some problems with Agile. Some right. Major problems. And, you know, and as Ron mentioned, too, I mean, some of these are major features and major things that go away or are broken and can really be crippling when you're using that. So, you know, that extreme is not great either. 
Uh, and so you need to make sure, you know, really come back to revisit what it is that you're trying to do here. Because at the end of the day, we want to be successful, right? So we don't want things to be broken that the stakeholders won't end up using. Because at the end of the day, we want our AI projects to be successful. And so we're trying to build towards AI project success. So, you know, we asked at the beginning, why can't we use Agile for AI? And Agile methodologies, they're challenged by the requirements of AI systems, because when we're in an iteration in Agile, what exactly does that mean to a specific AI project? You know, what is your iteration and what exactly is being delivered in your AI project as well? So we need to be asking these questions and say, you know, all right, how exactly does this fit in? And sometimes the functionality stays the same while the data can change. So our functionality isn't changing, but the data that we have coming in is changing, maybe because, uh, you know, data changes over time, or we had a test set and now we're putting it into the real world, whatever it is, or we're, you know, using it in, with a different customer set. So we do need to make sure that we're understanding because data is at the heart of AI. And then also, you know, with best practices methodologies, including CPMAI, we have data prep and data understanding. So where exactly does that fit in with Agile as well? And then there's a few other uh, areas that we really need to be focusing on. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Agile is it's not that Agile is bad and we need to just throw it away. It's just that Agile's not enough. And that's the point that we make. It's that it leaves it up to you, the project manager, <laughs> to figure it out, to say, at what point do you do data preparation? Do you do data preparation in every iteration? Do you do data preparation at the fourth iteration? Do you do data preparation at the end? It's wrong. Obviously, that's the wrong answer, right? When do I do data understanding? When do, at what point in my project do I figure out what data do I need? And how do I, when do I do my model evaluation, right? It, now, of course, we have answers to these things, right? So we're like, okay, well, we need a specific methodology. We can't just leave it up to chance to make it work. But you do need an answer. You can't just say, well, I'm using Agile. As a matter of fact, it's as useful as saying I'm using the scientific methodology, which is a non-answer. If anybody tells you that, they're not really thinking in terms of project management. How do you actually run an AI project? And they say, well, I use Agile. And they're like, go on. <laughs> because that's not enough. It's like agile in what way? I mean, does it take 10 iterations? So so this is why uh, projects are being challenged. And so, so the key about AI, of course, that makes AI different than say building a web app or building a mobile app is that the data is at the core of making the systems work. And so therefore AI projects are really data projects, right? Right. And we have said this many times in our podcast. So if you've listened before, hopefully you know that by now, that AI is really not about application development. It's about data, which means you need data-centric methodologies and approaches to running your AI projects. When we're looking at you know, our AI projects, code is just a very small part of making it work. And it's not even the most important part. You know, we have algorithm selection, we have the data that we use. And so the code is just a very small part, whereas application development, the code is a major part of the project. So if you run your application development projects like you run uh, your AI, if you run your AI projects like you've been running your application development projects, you'll find out the hard way that that's not going to work. And in our AI failure series, we do address that because it is 
uh, you know, a, a major reason that we're seeing AI projects not work. This podcast is digging a little bit deeper today into why we can't use Agile for AI. But as we had said earlier, it does have some of those overarching concepts of making sure that you're doing AI right. And if you want to do AI right, you're going to need data-centric methodologies. Yeah. And so there's some great things about Agile. So we like short iterations. No one's going to tell you do a data project, a big analysis project, and give me all the requirements up front, and I'll wait 9, 12, 18 months before you even have the first results. That won't be happy. Actually, people have made that. You might say, well, who the heck is doing that? Like, who would actually apply? That's Waterfall, right? Where it's like all your requirements up front build to all those requirements, take as long as you need to, to build, get basically check the checkbox. If I have a list of like 20 pieces of functionality and requirements says I need these 20 pieces of functionality, you're not done until all those checkboxes are checked. I delivered X, A, one through 20. Then you basically test those things and then you deliver it. That's what waterfall is, right? And that makes sense. Building a shopping mall. I got to have, you know, the permitting, the this and the that. The project is not done until you go check, 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 check. You may have things to fix later. You may create that, but that's sort of after you've built it, right? You might say, who the heck is running AI projects like that? I'd be like, hmm, I'm sorry. I got to call it Andrewing again, because there's a reason why these projects fail. They basically tried to do that whole uh, um, uh, medical diagnostic thing with, with X-ray images, and they basically built this whole system based on the re stuff from Stanford. And then it was after they built it that they decided to test it with these uh, radiology places that were not at Stanford Health and they realized it didn't work. And I'm like, waterfall much? Because, <laughs> I know, right? Well, that's why, I mean, there's lots of reasons for the failure, but that, that's part of the reason, right? Exactly. And then, I mean, you spent all this time, resources, you know, devoted a lot of money to this, people, that could have been doing other things only to have your project fail, which means that if management is looking at that and does not quite understand the project, you are most likely not going to be able to do another AI project. And you're also not seeing any of the return for all the effort that you put into the project, which at the end of the day is not what anybody is looking for. So if you follow best practices methodology, and in particular, CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology, You'd avoid some of these issues and realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't have taken that waterfall approach to building this. Right. So you might think, okay, great. So then Agile's, Agile is the best practice versus waterfall as a general philosophy, which we agree with. Right. For software projects in particular. Yes. For technology. Product. Right. Especially for, for high risk, high rate of change projects like AI projects are. They're high risk because we have to get the data right. It has to be prepared right. We have to build the model right. We have to evaluate it. It may not fit. None of that stuff may work. We may, and we don't want to find out, you know, $5 million and two years later that we were wrong, right? So it, it favors Agile. But as mentioned, Agile doesn't tell us enough. Now, there's another methodology, an additional methodology you could think of it as like orthogonal, meaning like it doesn't tell you how to run like any project. It just tells you how to run data projects specifically called CRISPDM that has been around for decades as well. Actually, ironically, it's about as, been, been around about as long as Agile. So the cross-industry standard process for data mining, CRISPDM, tells you the general approach uh, in terms of the order of, of, of steps that you need to take for any sort of data mining, which is what that came about for any large data project because it used to take a lot of time. You know, back in those days, it took a lot of time to run it. So, so get the business understanding first and then 
figure out the data, then basically uh, manipulate the data, data preparation, then basically do the modeling and then do the evaluation. And then there's some deployment part and there's some iteration. And as a general approach for data, that's great. The problem is it doesn't tell you how long that should take. And the thing about CRISPDM is it wasn't because it came about at about the same time as Agile. So it, 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 there wasn't enough, obviously, enough experience with Agile. When CRISPDM came out, people were just thinking about Agile, right? So, so they, it wasn't built with Agile in mind, which means it doesn't say, it doesn't say do tight, quick iterations and do iterations basically trying to solve the most immediate problems. So we need to basically take the Agile chocolate and combine it with the crispy and peanut butter, right? Happy for those of you that Reese's uh, pieces or whatever that is. Um, we could basically make something better, and and especially a modern uh, methodology for running AI projects. And that's really what the cognitive project management for AI CPMAI methodology is all about: the data centricity of CRISPR-Cas using leveraging the philosophy and the approach of Agile specifically for AI and data projects. Exactly. And we have seen when this is used, projects are successful. You set yourself up for success because you're following a best practices proven approach for running AI projects. And it's not created from scratch. As Ron mentioned, it is built off, you know, the data centricity of CRISPDM and it enhances Agile as well. So you're still incorporating that, but it's now AI specific so that you know, all steps are iterative on each other where CRISPDM did not have that, the iterations that you need. Uh, so, you know, you start with business understanding, then data understanding, data preparation, data modeling, model evaluation, and model operationalization. You can go back since all steps are iterative in case you need to go back a step or two, and then you can continue with your project. And, you know, like we said, it's not waterfall where you start with your business understanding and, you know, 12 months later, you have your model out in the real world somewhere. You're doing these in shorter sprints so that you can continue to improve over time. That's really what's so important about this as well. Yeah. So if you think about it, what would have a, what would have a CPMAI approach to uh, the uh, medical imaging project that, uh, you know, entering this group got all this all this money for. What would that have looked like? Well, it would have looked like taking a very small bite and maybe saying, "Well, we're not going to do every. We're not going to train the system on every possible medical image. We're going to basically maybe focus on one very very small thing. And it might might be just, you know, identifying your proper identification, something that humans can do really easily, right? And just say, "Well, does the does the model do that well? Does at least does it at least do that as well as humans can do? Something really basic. It might even be like you know something extremely trivial. But then you can already start. Now you're starting. Oh, okay. I got to already build my data pipeline, data engineering pipeline, very early in my project to deal with the fact that all of these different radiology systems are different, right? That's actually phase two and phase three of CPMI tells you that you have to basically get the data understanding and the data preparation correct before you can even start building your AI models. That would have been the first tip off to uh, the crew that were working on the project that there was something different about the real world data. They would have gotten that actually in phase two because data understanding is not like your fantasy world. It's what does the real world data look like given for where you want the model to work, right? That's the business understanding. You would say, okay, well, maybe we're not going to do every radiology system, but maybe we'll do these two or three types of radiology systems. And then you'd have this conversation. It's like, well, why are we starting with those radiology systems? Well, you know, 
a realistic person, a great project manager. Those of you who are listening who are CPMAI certified, let me tell you, you are worth every penny of that salary that you're going to get here because you're going to save companies like this, even with great AI technologists who, who could basically whip out a model and do some crazy, amazing things, right? I'm not disparaging any of their capabilities as AI researchers, as machine learning engineers. These guys are fantastic, better than anything that we, Kathleen and I don't have nearly a set of skills that any of them have for building machine learning models and you know doing the math stuff. But what they have in terms of technology skills, they lack in project management skills. And the project management skills come from you, our listeners, who are CPMI certified to say, okay, great, we understand you know how to do this. But step two my phase two says data understanding. We are not progressing on this project until you go and figure that out. And as part of that methodology, you might be looking at understanding how to pick those things that will give your project the highest chance of success. And at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. And we hope that all of you folks who are listening to this podcast, who are employers or who are working in large systems, who are looking to hire people, we understand data scientists are in high demand, data engineers are in high demand, but we saw the salary survey and we know that project managers are actually the number two in demand uh, hire right now. And of course, the best way to get a great quality project manager is one that's certified that knows how to make this project work. So a little bit of evangelism there for you, but we feel it. Exactly. And so if you are interested in learning more about CPMAI, what it is, you know, what it's all about, the methodology, be able to ask questions because the podcast is a very one-way channel and we are, you know, we always love to hear from our listeners. So if you are interested in learning more, you can go to aitoday.live slash CPMAI and register for one of our upcoming uh, webinars that we're going to have. We are doing this on a rolling basis. So no matter when you're listening to this podcast, please do make sure to go to aitoday.live slash CPMAI and you can register for an upcoming webinar. We will be giving an overview of what CPMAI is, how it's suited for AI project success, why project managers who are looking to run AI projects should get CPMAI certified. And like I said, be able to really answer questions from you, our listeners. So make sure to register for that if you are interested. And as I said earlier, please do also make sure to subscribe to AI Today so you can get notified of all of our future episodes. We have some really incredible episodes coming up where we will be interviewing people who are CPMAI certified and sharing real world experiences about how they are putting CPMAI into practice at their organization and also personally what it's done for them with improving their, uh, you know, and enhancing their career and their marketability in the market, and also even helping some people land some pretty significant jobs and roles at organizations. So we sure do hope that you will subscribe so you can listen to all of our upcoming episodes. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, check out more AI Today podcasts at aitoday.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. 
This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.